0: Well, welcome to the Situational Report for February 24th. I am sitting right next to me is Captain Seth Keschel. And today we're going to talk about a number of different topics, but I wanted to start with uh, doing a just a brief introduction of yesterday. So yesterday there was a Senate hearing here in Arizona and it was quite interesting. I was not expecting to be on the ground for it. In fact, I probably wasn't even going to pay attention to it yesterday, but the good captain called me and asked me to come down. And I went down and it turned into a good situation where I was actually fortunate enough to sit in the room with um, a few people that were not just activists, but they're, they're, they're patriots is is a better word for Tammy Clark. She runs stand up Michigan. um, And then I met a whistleblower from, not just uh project veritas uh jody o'malley who was uh she was a healthcare whistleblower in the same room i was sitting with mark fincham uh is that christy megan Kristen megan Kristen megan yeah thank you thank you for that it was it was quite an interesting day uh, i had dinner with mark fincham last night great guy he's di- mark mincham or mark fincham sorry schooled me in the uh the corruption that is Arizona, and we talked briefly about his court cases. We talked briefly briefly about his Secretary of State run. And look, I've been critical of a lot of almost all of the politicians in Arizona by name, but uh, one thing that I that I have learned over time, especially about Mark Fincham, Sonny Borelli, they want to do the right thing, but they're restrained by a system that is built around corruption and it literally is designed so that nobody can fix the system from the inside it is it's incredible and and i've got the expert here to talk through that so i'm going to hand it over to captain Keshel here to let him talk about arizona and his his impressions of yesterday and his testimony and i'm gonna let him talk about just arizona in general because he knows the political landscape here a hell of a lot better than i do so good captain please take it away well, good, Colonel Murray. It's great to be on the show live. Of course,
1: we've laughed about a few of the shows, Yes, <laughs> we commiserated at. about others, because the reality of the world today is it's not, it's not all butterflies out there. So yesterday's hearing was interesting. We had a variety of different topics come up, different speakers. Colonel Ivan Rakelin was out there. We had the whistleblowers at the end. Liz Harris really laid it all out there on the line. And I think if you want to talk about other elected officials that the very few that actually earn their keep you're talking about liz harris somebody who won a race and still called for a new election to have a new election throw out a victory that is something that is not common but with the landscape here i had a a testimony about 30 or 40 minutes long in the morning met with a few questions they had to break for the march for life attendance and then as soon as we came back i was up answering more questions ken bennett tried to kneecap me On the analysis with the trends. And of course, I just answered him simple. Trends are calculated by number of votes divided by total votes cast and wherever that margin lands from the previous cycle is your trend. Just because something trended left one way doesn't mean it's going to continue the trend if it's interrupted by a record Republican vote gain in a Republican stronghold like Arizona. You know, that chimp doesn't know what you were saying to him, right? He doesn't do math. He probably he probably does, but he absolutely is somebody who who seems, despite all of the evidence of corruption in 2020 and 2022, to seem that a margin of ten thousand four hundred fifty seven votes couldn't be completely fictitious. My numbers suggest Donald Trump carried Arizona by a larger margin than even George Bush did in 2004. Nobody's going to approach the Reagan numbers thirty point margins in a state that's grown so large in the metro areas again, but this was a very handily won Trump state. I would actually consider Arizona to be the ground zero of election corruption in the United States, especially given its prominence in being called on election night. After Florida had gone to Trump, North Carolina had gone to Trump, Ohio and Iowa, Texas were Trump states, and Georgia was well on the way to being a Trump state. The New York Times had it 99% likely to go to Trump on their tracker, which is actually very accurate, despite the issues and the idiocy of the New York Times. Arizona was a must-win state at that point. That's why you got the call. And then over the course of 10 days of counting or so, the result was made to match 10,000 votes more than Trump
0: had. The, so the... <laughs> I I promised the good captain that I would not go on a rant about who needs to be um, executed for treason. So I will keep that to myself, even though there are several. But what, he, what he's really pointing out is that The 10 10 or 11 days to count votes is not just, it's not just unnecessary. It's one of their many mechanisms of cheating. And the question is not how did they cheat? It's how didn't they cheat? I personally witnessed the same people walking into four different polling stations on November 8th, carrying ballots and dropping mail-in ballots off at different polling stations. Then there's the ballot paper. Then there's the count itself. Then there's adjudication. Then there's signature matching. There's a variety of ways that they cheated and they did it across the board. And if you've heard my podcast before and you heard the sit rep before, you've heard me say that not only did they steal the presidential election in 2020, but they took the Senate in 2020. And they never, it's never been, you know, turned the other way. So they still have the Senate. It's the illusion that the Republicans are in charge in the house. They have the house and now they have the swing states and the plan all along, at least this is my, my view and the good captain will have a chance here to refute my claims. My, the way I see it developing is that they wanted to take legitimately take the presidency, but they knew they couldn't get enough ground support for Joe Biden. So they cheated and got greedy and took it anyway. They, They absolutely had to do that in order to do what we're seeing right now, which is expand the war in Ukraine, run the economy into the ground, offshore most, if not all, of our manufacturing and energy production, as well as bankrupt the rest of middle America. And you're seeing in in Palestine, East Palestine, sorry, what you're seeing is a coordinated effort to cover up probably one of the most toxic spills in US history. And people don't even realize how bad it really is. I was fortunate enough to sit with with folks that actually do this for a living yesterday, and I got a download on exactly how bad this really is. But when you roll it up to the bigger picture, what you see is you see them using these elections now to set conditions so they can stack the Supreme Court, they can change the Constitution, and they can go after free speech as well as the Second Amendment. Ultimately, that's what they want to do. Do I think they're going to get there? No, I don't. I think this is going to blow up long before 2024. Doesn't matter who runs. Nobody can win legitimately now. The system's too broken and too corrupt. But, you know, it doesn't stop Trump from trying. Doesn't stop Trump from from running. Doesn't stop DeSantis. But can they win? No, they can't win. All of our elected officials now are chosen. And that's that was blatantly clear yesterday. Thoughts? It goes back further than 2020.
1: I mentioned to the committee yesterday that you can easily point to historical examples like Boss Tweed in New York City in the 1800s and the well-known fact that Chicago, Philadelphia, other major metros are riddled with voter fraud and election fraud. The two are different. Voter fraud is when you want to go vote twice. Election fraud is when the government conspires to manipulate the result or produce a certain outcome. Now, with sophisticated data collection and sophisticated technology, big city, big county election fraud can now be exported to your Pinol counties of the world or your Lancaster County, Pennsylvania's of the world. My evidence suggests that 2018 was the beginning of widespread election manipulation, and we saw it here in Arizona. There were two races that I specifically mentioned in front of the committee yesterday with more than 300,000 excess votes forecast. In the 2018 midterm, the two races in question would be the U.S. Senate race in which Kirsten Cinema took the seat over Martha McSally, who conceded faster than than the news networks could even call the race, and then Katie Hobbs, who took the Secretary of State office by twenty thousand votes. And this is after Steve Gainer had already been called the winner by the press. Maricopa County did his thing and counted votes for days until Katie Hobbs won. Now, who is Katie Hobbs today? In 2020, she was instrumental for overseeing the election in Arizona, which somehow went to Joe Biden. That was only the second Democrat win in the state since 1948. And then, of course, Katie Hobbs gets over Carrie Lake somehow in the 2022 midterm, overseeing her own election, which is a fallacy in its own right. So Arizona's election corruption is not just a 2020 thing. It's a 2018 as well as 2022 thing.
0: And the interesting side of this conversation is yesterday we, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting how this, uh, how this all develops, but let's take a step back because you know, the good captain's been uh, been staying at my house for last uh, what 24 hours, I think. And uh, I got a real feel for his travel schedule. And it, to be honest, I, I didn't have a clue how, how many days he spends on the road. And how grueling the schedule is and how many different assholes he has to deal with on a daily basis. This, you know, I've, I've said this before, unity is the hill we're going to die on. And he sees it firsthand, right? He sees all the different groups that don't want to play nice with each other, all the different groups that have their own agendas. He's, he's been, you know, in the Trump orbit and dealing with the Trump orbit. And one of the things I realized, and I'll let you talk about it because you're, closer to it than I am is, you know, there's, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes along with this, right? I, it's easy for me to sit and criticize, you know, all the different groups that are not playing nice. But when you put all the personalities in the same room, which he's been in the room with all these personalities, you can see why it's so hard to unify everybody, right? Because everybody sees the situation differently. And um, that's just one aspect of it. The bigger aspect of it is, you know, what's the personal cost to you to do this? Because you do this all the time. This is your this is your primary job, right? So what's it look like?
1: It's not my primary job by design, <clears throat> more of a matter of necessity. I, I When I first stumbled into this movement as a major figure in the election integrity front, I still had a day job. I was a salesman of traffic control technology. In fact, here in the Phoenix area, I sold a couple of different agencies and up the road in Flagstaff on traffic detection equipment. And then when the audit movement took off and my numbers became commonplace in the movement for canvassing or for the effort to get election audits, I was canceled from my job. Now, I can't prove that because Texas is an at-will employment state, but it was a very strange time to be let go in the 4th of January from a job that paid me very well. So I had no choice but to sink or swim. I'm sure that somewhere in my network I could find a, a standard job. I think that right now, given where the country is with elections, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But it's a very difficult road to travel. And a lot of people think it's just this glamorous life. It's not. There's a lot of different people that you run into that are very hard to work with. And I, I think it's a lot like the captain's career course when you're in the army. And after you, after you finish your... You're taking me back there. Yeah, So so after you finish your... After you finish your first assignments in the in the Army, whether you're either a staff officer as a young lieutenant or you've got a, a platoon leadership position or an XO position, they'll send you to a school called Captain's Career Course. And it's mostly junior captains, mid-grade captains sometimes that are getting what amounts to a, a master's degree in the Army. And it's 60 captains in the same class with nobody to boss around. And it becomes very toxic, very fast. Clips form. For the military intelligence captain's career Of course, we had about half of the officers there were, were branched military intelligence since they were lieutenants. And then the other half were combat arms officers that moved to military intelligence as captains. So you have infantry and artillery and armor officers that became intelligence, and they usually segregated themselves. And it all comes down to alpha-type personalities who don't want to be followers or subordinates or go along with someone else's plan because they all think that they have a better plan. And it's not easy. It's not easy to do. It really lends credibility to why the military has a rank structure in place. There are very few people in this movement that have enough clout to command the leadership position without any contest. So that's why all the work teams are generally riddled with infighting. Sometimes it's actually, there's a good reason why there's infighting. Somebody's done something wrong or unethical. And then in other cases, people just cannot agree on how to proceed. A good example would be just in the election integrity front, people that are all about getting rid of machines. I think we need to get rid of machines too. That's the second point of my 10 points to true election integrity. But the first point is the voter rolls, because if we don't clean up voter rolls, then you're going to have elections free of machines in which there's mail-in ballots going out to a fraudulent voter roll. So, all of these pieces have to be put into place, and they're very hard to decouple one from the other to get anything done. Now, working together is a critical task because there's already not enough of us as it is. Look at Arizona. There's 7.2 million people in the state. 1.66 million of them voted for Trump. About 1.3 million or 1.2 million legitimately voted for Biden. You and think there was that many? That's generous estimates. Wow. I don't think it was that much. It may be a million. Yeah. I'm thinking less than that, eight hundred thousand. Well, there was a lady out there at the Capitol yesterday with a women's rights sign, wanting to abort babies. But okay, so a million. All right, right. I'll give give you a
0: million. So, so
1: all that to say, we we have a lot of comfort still in the country. People can go to subway. People can go out and watch a ball game. They can go to the movies. And we had maybe seventy-five people attending that hearing that were not in media or political staffers yesterday. So we care about it. The people that are in the movement think it's the only thing going on, but a lot of people out there don't get involved, which is why people on the dissident right or in the patriot movement. If they can't get along, then you fragment a movement that doesn't have enough base level support. We don't have enough walking dead like the left does. This is going to get out there and wave a sign because they got paid 10 bucks or given a free sandwich to do so. So the infighting is perilous to this movement. It prevents anything from getting done. Sometimes you have to take a small small victory and capitalize on that, which is why during the midterms, i watched what happened in Michigan and New York and Pennsylvania, and I saw it. But pragmatically speaking, I'm like, look, the fight is Arizona and Nevada. Mm -hmm. We can knock one of those trees down and expose the entire hill of beans, Or if you can get Mark Fincham in office or Jim Marchant from Nevada in office as Secretary of State, both of those could have exposed the election problem. Those were probably the two most important tactical players in the election in 2020 to get into office. And Carrie Lake was the most important symbolic candidate to get into office. She was the crowning jewel of the America First movement in 2022. And also here in Arizona, she would have had vast executive power that would have exposed a lot more corruption than just in elections. But I tend to believe that they're all tied together. Yeah.
0: And, and I'm, so let's, let's, let's pause that for a second because there's some other places we can spin off of that. Tell, t- tell people what it's like, that, what's your travel schedule like? What What is your day to day? Cause I, you know, I've watched you for the last two days and you're getting pulled in 6,000 directions. What's it, what's it like to, to, what's your travel schedule like? Well, what it's going to be like today is obviously I'm going to leave here and go to Reno, and I'm
1: going to spend two days in Reno. Now, speaking engagements have slowed down a little bit. I think it's related to just a a bit of a lull in the election integrity movement in general. Dr. Frank has been all over the place. Dr. Frank has a, a little bit of a different network than I do. He's tied very closely to a lot of the canvassing organizations directly and and dr frank has been absolutely a warrior for this movement dave clements runs around a lot for election integrity
0: yeah but i don't know where i stand on that guy but some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth is it's like he showed he showed up here um out of the blue so what what's he trying to do what is he what's his what's his agenda so dave is dave is big about election machines
1: next door in new mexico where he's from in otero county they exposed with the help of their canvassing team and with the with the audit itself they did in otero county exposed a lot of the functionality of machines to access voter rolls and cast ballots remotely on folks now he he's been somebody that's been a a voice on the magistrate's doctrine and also machines he's had some success getting a lot of his ideas mainstream he's made some pretty good sound bites in in kern county in california recently But what I would say about the travel schedule is last year I did more than 180 nights out on the road and the trap, the flights, I now want some of the benefits are I can use points or miles anywhere. I want to go somewhere if I need to lots of, lots of time in the air, but it has its cost. It's, it's difficult to find, find time to eat right all the time or to get in the gym frequently. And it's it's difficult to to shoestring a schedule like that together especially if you talk about travel you have to be really cautious on planning trips it's very hard to get from portland oregon to philadelphia pennsylvania and do an event on the east coast in one night and i did that last year dealing with lots of rental cars i've done those flights dealing with lots of hazardous people and and they're all over the place Now it depends where you go in the country how hazardous they might be in massachusetts last year We did an event and the event organizers did a great job. But one thing that probably should have been marked down as a lesson learned is why is there an admission fee to events? Are you guys grifting? Is that what's going on? Well, first off, events are not free. Venues are not free. Even if you're not paying a speaker, I do plenty of pro bono events as well. But you have to pay the venue fees normally. You have to cover potentially the cost of security, audio visual needs any sort of insurance policy that the event is going to require. And also I consider it in certain areas unwise to leave the door open with no cover cost at all for Antifa to come in. And when we were in Middlesex County, Massachusetts last year, I was there with James DeSoro. We had about 10 activists show up and we could spot them because they were the ones wearing their masks and a couple of them were belligerent. One of them seemed like he really wanted to mix it up and I invited him up to the front and he didn't take me up on the offer. I'm not really sure why. But that was that was Massachusetts last year. So, so you always run into unique local issues like that. Then you have some states or some cities that are going to cancel venues at the last minute and send everybody scurrying to try to find a replacement, which may not be possible and a lot of people out of a lot of money. And then you get to the point where you're canceled and how do you make a living and how do you do it ethically to where you're not perceived as a grifter and somebody who's just in it to capitalize or perpetuate the problem. You know, the longer we have election fraud, the longer I can stay around, that can be an attitude some people might have. It's difficult to manage that. And then, of course, you have putting out content, making sure people are staying engaged, because if we don't have people, you, you have to have every every movement has to have influencers. Oh. And it's easy to hate influencers because you think that they've got this great ivory tower of the life, but you have to have them to get the word out. And you also have to have the rank and file activists in your movement that are your chiefs at county level or state levels or people that are just helping with with tasks in the side margins of their life. You have to have. And the thing that's different about us from the left, the left is well organized. They are well funded with dark money, of course, but they pay people full time. To mm-hmm. unwind and destroy people's lives, to destroy the counties and cities that they live in, in the states that they live in, which they're hard at work here in Arizona doing that right now. And our side, generally because of the disorganization and the infighting, does not have the ability to organize a competitive infrastructure in which you can have talented people. And we need people of all persuasions. We have people that are into arts and music. We have to have that to, to influence culture as well. But we have to have people that are full time to be able to battle back. And if you have to let them die on the vine and go back to work in the standard work week, then they've got an hour on the end of each day, perhaps to, to invest in, in content, then we're going to fall behind. And that's been a big fight as well with a lot of people upset that they think that some people are capitalizing on the movement.
0: Well, I watched you yesterday and this is why I brought it up, right? Because, you know, it's easy to, well, we routinely like, like, uh, The the good professor, I, I, you know, I don't, I often wonder what his story is. And I, you know, I've, I've had both criticism and praise for him at times, given what he was working on. But, you know, I saw yesterday, not even five minutes after uh, Seth finished doing his, his testimony and social media was already beating the shit out of him, especially Twitter the Twitter trolls were already hard at work while he was presenting. They're literally they're scrolling while he is presenting, and the same with with um, with Telegram and some of the other channels. Right? It's it's routinely they, even I get it. Right? But the difference between him and him and me when I go to the Capitol is everybody's scared shitless of me because everybody knows I'm a life taker and heartbreaker. Right? They know I'm I'm not going to mix words. They know I'm not going to fuck around. They know I'm not going to put up with a bunch of lies and BS. It's a different story when I show up, right? Because I've already set the tone, do the right thing or go away. They've Trust me when I say this, they have all heard me say this. It was one of the first things Mark Fincham said to me is we were in a room and uh, I can't remember if it was Jody or one of the others that that's, you know, said what do we do about some of these people? And I said, they need to be executed for treason. I didn't quite say it that way. I said a little more flavorful, but Suffice it to say that the look on Finch's face and what he said was, yeah, we can't quite do that. And I'm like, why not? Why can't we do that? We're in unusual circumstances. And last I checked, there's a military directive for that. And as well as the fact that I'm still a I'm still a commissioned officer in the United States Army. My commission never never ends. It's an indefinite commission. So you want to explain to me why we can't do that? But the point I'm trying to make is, you know, the stuff I put out, I don't get any criticism on because I'm not, I'm not putting myself in front of a jury or in front of a, a Senate hearing for the, for this very simple reason that you know I don't have anything to contribute. But what you're really seeing here is the information war that's being played, literally second by second, against the the truth movement and all of the the stats. That uh, Seth put forward, as well as what Ivan Rankin put forward yesterday. I mean, Ivan's testimony spot spot on. He literally said that all of this is being funded by China. The Sinaloa cartel is being funded by China. the fentanyl uh, push into our country is being funded by by China. Those are act of war. every every bit of that is an act of war. and they're paying foot soldiers here as a proxy to fight in the u s. That's an act of war and literally within minutes the mainstream media was beating these guys around the head and neck and you know it's not it's one thing to to get called out in mainstream media it's completely another to get called out in mainstream media and then by your own peers and then by people in your own movement it gets it gets frustrating and the the part that gets under my skin is that of all the people on the planet right now that need to you know disagree and infight it is not the truth movement. We need to we we need to actively be recruiting people around the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors to come forward and just walk through how they did all this, and literally be a whistleblower. That's what we need, because the one thing that and you can speak this a hell lot better than I can, man. The one thing that we don't have on our side is somebody on the inside from this conspiracy to come out and say, "Yeah, we cheated. This is how we did it." This is who paid for it. We already know that the FTX scandal exposed Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, and all the Democrats for laundering money through a hedge fund back into candidates into a number of different states during the 2022 election. We already know that. Now we know because of the lawyer that testified yesterday, which I'm going to do a whole different sit rep on that with Mark Fincham because he's got he's got access to the book that she references. We're going to do three or four different episodes on how these people are laundering money, how the Sinaloa cartels, a.k.a. China, is laundering money to buy properties in the state and pay politicians. We'll do a a number of, of shows on that. But I wanted to touch on the human element of this because I don't get sus time very often. We maybe tra- you know, tr- transmit five or six t- text messages a week, but he's usually running and stepping and fetching most of the time. So I don't get a lot of time to talk to him. But I wanted people to realize what it's like to be on the other side of the fence. Cause it's one thing to be, to be out in front of everybody. But when you're taking Sable rounds from everybody around you, the shit gets old and it gets, it gets, it just, it beats the shit out of you. And wh- what we need right now, the one thing we need the most is unity. I, I'm going to keep harping on this until, you know, people either get it or they, they get on board for the big win because we're, we're running out of time. And I I even said yesterday, you know, Fincham asked me, how do you think this is going to end? I go, you know how it's going to end. There's only one way it ends now. We got to burn the whole system to the ground and start over. And we have to start over with people that are hard as nails and are not afraid to make decisions that are good for the country at their detriment. Because the the concept of selfless service has been not just kicked to the wayside, it's been trampled, it's been run over and backed over and double tapped a hundred times. Look at the generations that are, that are coming into into not just high school but into college right now their whole world is about when do i get mine it's not about what can i do for the rest of the world it's when do i get mine that their whole culture and the cultural war which we've been talking about you know roundabout for the last 30 minutes or so has been about that that's why we need everybody all hands on deck to start working aggressively to get these people to come forward and give us the information we need so we can get rid of people like Sheriff Penzone. All we need is somebody to come forward and say, yeah, he was paid off by Soros. This is how they did it. Guess what? Penzone, gone. Then we get a constitutional sheriff, and then guess what happens? We start rolling people up. We already know that Adrian Fontes, Katie Hobbs, and Chris Mays are all funded by the cartels. Their whole campaign was funded by the cartels, aka China. And what was the first thing that Katie Hobbs did? She dissolved any kind of a border um, council and focused the efforts of her office on executive orders to support Mesa Gateway. If you don't know what Mesa Gateway is, I'll do a whole separate uh, conversation about it. I've done several conversations about Mesa Gateway. But why Mesa Gateway is important is that when those containers come in to Mesa Gateway from Mexico, they're supposedly checked by Mexican authorities, customs authorities, and we don't even... We don't even look at them. They literally are put on a truck and moved right away. And that is there's so many different avenues of um, not just you know chemical weapons, material weapons, human trafficking. Take your pick. All of that could come through Mesa Gateway. So there's a lot of other um, scenarios that come out of this. But the point is, we need all hands on deck and able to start to move the pendulum the other way if we want to do this legally. Thoughts? It's a lot to swallow. <laughs> well, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. And you mentioned taking Sabo
1: rounds. Nobody goes into this if you become a public person expecting to not get hit. Now, depending on how prominent your profile is, you may be hit regionally, locally. I tell people this all the time across the country. The time to figure out if you want to be into this kind of thing with your name out there and potentially your business or your dirt out there The time to figure that out is now when you're not under pressure, when you don't have any decisions to make other than do I want to be part of this or not? Because if you do make an impact, if you get involved, the only point of doing so is to make an impact. It's not to just go out there. There's better ways to make a living. You know, there's some people, if you listen to them online, they think that people like me are running around making $10 million a year talking about election fraud. You know, I I did a, a, a Substack article about a trip I took to the Northeast last year, and it was a very small market. I used points to fly in the summer. The airfare was very high. And I think the entire ticket that I invoiced was $2,500. And that included my own logistics. So this wasn't $2,500 and expensive. It was $2,500. And whatever you eat is coming off that. Whatever you fly, stay, and sleep, that's coming off of that. So I spent four nights in hotels getting to and fro, I burnt points on airfare. I had to stay an extra night in a hotel because the, one of my flights got crammed. And I think I made about $700 after all expenses were considered. $700 divided by four days. Comes out to less than $70,000 a year if you were to do that continuously.
0: With But well, you'd be broke and your credit cards would be maxed. With
1: getting hammered in the press to make sixty-five dollars or $70,000 a year. So the press, of course, is going to do what it's going to do if you're being effective. But to get the same garbage from people that are on your own side who are upset that you're doing this or that with your time is what the where, where one of the biggest issues comes from. Because people have a very hard time working together as it is when it's a lot of A-type personalities. And then when you introduce legitimate bad blood into it, you don't have an operation at all. I've seen it in certain states where you can look at the election integrity movement where they had a falling out between major players And the other organization goes off and completely recreates the wheel when time is one of our major currencies right now. We don't have the ability and time to go to waste a year resetting everything just because you're pissed off at someone else. I think that one of the great benefits of military service, you had a much longer career than I did. But one of the great benefits of it is how many officers did you have to work with that you didn't particularly like? Many. But did you... At the workplace, did you express that dislike of these people and, and make things personal to where other officers or your subordinates could not get the job done?
0: No, because you, you, the okay, now if it was a senior officer that was screwing around with my troops trying to, trying to, uh, affect training in my troops, I would get in their face and I would let, I would let people know my disdain, right? But peers, you can't really do that. You can think it. Because there was a couple of peers I had where I asked myself, how did you ever get promoted past captain? But you don't express those things because it affects morale, right? You 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 deal with that other ways. You use the command and you use senior leadership to move those people out of the way if they're if they're turds. Because there, look, there's a lot of shit bags in the military. But at the officer rank, you have to be careful about how you do it because you you can't infect another unit, even though even if it's true. You can't infect another unit. But did people know I did, didn't like certain people? Absolutely. Sometimes you can't hide it. But to sustain bad blood in a combat environment
1: is going to create a lot of potential hazards and issues. Oh, You fuck can, you you can just, look at some of the key military yeah. operations in the country, in the country's history. You can look at Eisenhower versus George Patton in World War II. No secret that the two of them hated each other's guts. But for the sake of the war effort, they got along. Now, of course, Patton's death in 1945 brings out some pretty interesting theories with with Eisenhower pivotal in some of those as well. Oh, he was killed. The founding fathers in our country, they didn't like each other either. You can look at the very first administration. George Washington's cabinet fell apart completely. Washington and Jefferson and Adams, they all had a triangle of hatred in one way or the other. (laughs) But they kept it together for the sake of the kids instead of blowing everything up. Yeah. the left they will do a little bit of infighting but ultimately they always link arms whether that's at the behest of the financial interests that funnel them the dark money or in their desire to utterly annihilate the things that made our country strong they managed to keep it together so there's a there's a degree of on the spot correcting as you mentioned yeah, correcting course versus sustaining bad blood, and that is that has really hampered the election integrity movement as a whole. Plus the freedom movement. It's, yeah. it's in the medical ranks as well. When you talk about those that are pushing for medical freedom, or or going into the mandates, and even in the J six ranks as well, you see you see massive division, which prohibits any forward movement.
0: And, and it's yeah. So you know, and you reminded me of a situation in Mosul where. I was dealing with a with a a battalion commander that was he was combat inefficient. He just he he would not go outside the wire. He wouldn't send his people outside the wire. And we we couldn't do combat ops because this guy wouldn't he wouldn't send anybody out. And look, everybody knew there was a problem. But you didn't want to infect the rest of the organization by saying this guy's a shitbag and he's a coward. You just tell the old man figured it out and, you know, he asked the right questions to the right people and then he was gone. And that's how you deal with that. Right. But in this situation, the problem is you have so many different personalities that think they're right. And they can't back off of the ledge that they're right. And every time you challenge that they lose their shit, they, they literally just lose their shit. And that's why that's, that's, at least that's what I experience. I see so much infighting over things that don't matter that it's, it's almost comical at times, like case in point, literally, I put out, uh, I was talking about, um, well, I was talking about two things. One, that the enemy gets a vote and all this devolution stuff, right? And that the the one part, and, and this is all I said, I said that, you know, it's Patel Patriot has put out theory. There's no fact behind this that says any of this is actually happening. It's just theory. And the enemy gets a vote, and there's no counting for the enemy's actions in this, right? When you're in an S2 and you're doing order of battle, right? You 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 walk in the door and you say, All right, sir, this is what I see. The enemy's arrayed this way. This is their order of battle. This is their disposition. This is how their forces are arrayed across the, the forward edge of the battle area. These are the assets we have. This is what I think, and, and this is their strong points and their weak areas. You you would walk in the door and tell your BC exactly what that all of that looked like, right? And he would say, check, got it. Now, what about X, Y, and Z? And there's probably things you've never even looked at. And then he develops his, his what he thinks the order of battle is and how the battle's going to develop, right? Because he's taking your analysis and then he's making assumptions off of what you've put together and what he sees on the battlefield. And then he's going to raise a forces his forces the way he thinks the battle's going to develop, not the way he thinks the enemy's going to act. And the enemy may act completely different than what you think, what he thinks, historically what they've done. And that was the only point I was trying to make. And people lost their fucking minds, absolutely lost their minds. Death threats. They were calling me. They were emailing me. They were telling me I was a shill. And I'm like, all I'm trying to tell you is that the enemy may not do what you think they're going to do. And the people you think are in charge may not be in charge. They may not be doing anything. And, you know, you're on the ground with most of these guys. You've seen it. You know, you've been on the ground with with uh, the professor, with Mike Lindell, with with Mike Flynn. You've been in the room with, you know, people in Trump's orbit. You, you've you been in the room with Sidney Powell, you know, her personally. And you listen to all the conjecture and the bullshit that's put out, like the fucking prayer with Mike Flynn. It it, it was nonsense. But well, you still have people today that are still they're they're ardent believers that Mike Flynn is a satanic worshipper because of one innocuous prayer that one person in what fifty knew what it was. Give me a break with that. Well,
1: it's a what what we're getting at. So to, to backtrack a little bit, did you notice in my briefing yesterday the elements of an intelligence officer at work in the analysis because the, the S two. By the way, the S-2 is the intelligence officer of a battalion or brigade. The S-2 comes up with an estimate in battle, which is a most likely course of action and then a most dangerous course of action. So I did present multiple forecasts suggesting what most likely and most dangerous courses of action for the enemy, in this case being Joe Biden, how many votes he's likely to get. This is predictable based on a trend cycle of 17 elections and also political trends and voter registration and also population change, which Arizona is definitely getting the shaft by the government and the Census Bureau on its population, which is depriving it of its proper electoral representation. California should probably be deemed at least another elector and given to Arizona based on what was withheld from that census. So with those things considered, the training from the military still comes in handy. But people don't seem to understand that. You have people like Ken Bennett trying to kneecap me yesterday in the hearing by by saying the margins, the margins. Well, the votes, the raw votes, contribute to what the margin and what the trend in margin is. It's really just a we're, we we seem to be drowning in a sea of idiocy.
0: <laughs> yeah. On on that note, we're we've had a hard stop on time, but um, I was going to play. I always end my show with a with a good song. And today I was going to end with a little Steve Miller band, uh, the Joker. What do you think? That sounds like it
1: might be from before my time. Coming. All right. Do you have any uh, any suggestions then? Well, the Top Gun soundtrack so is always pretty good. Top Gun. The new one, the Maverick The, the Navy one? people.
0: Because uh, yeah, you are Navy captain now. Yeah,
1: that's right. So <laughs> so given the fact that the Seattle
0: Times has promoted me to Naval captain, that means I have a pay grade on you. <laughs> yeah, <they're>, yeah, therefore, right. <laughs> Yes, sir. I will. Uh, I will find that immediately, sir. And, sir, I'm excited for that opportunity to play that music that you're uh, jazzed about. And I will. I will make sure that we find the best soundtrack and the best quality soundtrack to play for the masses. And we will do that as soon as possible, sir. Oh, well, well thanks, Carl. <laughs> full execution. How about "Danger Zone"? A we'll little do, do a little "Danger Zone" oh, okay. today. All right. So this is Kenny Loggins "Danger Zone." God bless everyone. Thank you, Cam Keshel. It's always a always a pleasure. One team, one fight, ladies and gentlemen. God, we'll try this one. There we go.